Welcome to episode 54 of Land the Plane Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Land the Plane Podcast. My name is Dustin. I'm Jonathan. And we are glad to be back with you this evening, this morning, this drive to work, this afternoon nap you're fixing. To, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever you choose. stroll on the treadmill. Yeah. Or... The, the cycling. You probably shouldn't listen to stuff while you're on a road bike, actually. It's are you not, not supposed good... to? You know, I, I do on occasion. It is a little weird, though. Is it because of cars? I mean, cars. Yeah, cars are pretty. I do like not to hear. Good. I do like to hear things yeah. when it creeps up behind me. Yeah, I need one of those those pairs of headphones that kind of go on your temples, so you can hear the music, but you still can hear what's going on. What are, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're they're ones that go either on your temples or like right behind your ears because they're on like the bones right behind your ears, so you can hear the music in your head, but you can hear everything going on too yeah my mind's blown right now yeah (laughs) i need some of that all right but hey we're glad you're back joining us we're excited we are in in the midst of a talk on apologetics we are three full episodes in and we're going to keep going and uh, we got bobby back joining with us and we're so appreciative of him and the work he's put in (laughs) he's been doing a great job and we are kind of taking a shift a little bit we're still in apologetics but a shift in the uh, kind of ideas we're talking about. Sorry, Al Jonathan has had a moment over there with his coffee. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so we're going to move forward. And we're, I know some of y'all love the story. Like this, You're going to say, where's the story? My yeah. life is incomplete because there's no story. story. But we don't have a story. Too bad, so sad. But, no story for you. Yeah. But tune in to the next episode, and we may or may not have a story again. Yeah, probably not. But the stories will be back, and something tells me a story will pop up in the midst of what we're talking about. So be full of stories before it's over with. Full of something. (laughs) So we are going to just jump right into this thing, and uh, welcome back, Bobby. Bobby? Bobby? Ricky Bobby? Bobby? (laughs) How many different ways can you say that? Bobby? Bobby? Bobby. We could spend like instead of story time, we could take our time seeing how many names. Uh, well, my, my mom's name is Bobby. Is that right? Yeah. My pee wee my pee wee league football coach of the Vikings used to call me Bobby McGee. Bobby McGee. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good old shout out to Joe Don Davis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Woo. Joe many Don. many many years ago. Bobby. This was the early seventies. You guys Ooh. weren't living at the time. Surprised you remember it. No, nope. it's it's vague. Actually, I'm kind of like my dad. I remember things from the seventies better than I do yesterday. I have noticed that about myself as well. The frightening thing yeah. that happens. I, I really appreciate that. About actually, before he passed, I recorded some of his stories about the 1940s in Lone Oak County. Wow. It was incredible. Good stuff. I had an employee today say, "Oh." Uh, my my prom flashed on my Facebook memories. It's been four years. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody was like, oh, it's been eight years for my prom. And I was like, um, y'all weren't even born when my prom happened. <laughs> it's It's been like four years since my daughter's prom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I was like, oh, man, I'm getting up there. Some of us are, are not a very long time away from celebrating our 40th year out of high school. Yeah, hey, you got me on that one. Yeah. At least we're not that guy, Jonathan. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Think about it. All yeah. right. I thought we would start tonight with just, just a little bit of review because we are shifting gears a little bit. We've, we, we started out this series in, in talking about can you find truth? Is yep. it important to find truth? Is there truth out there? And, and simply what we tried to explain in that first episode was that truth is anything that is the same as, equal to, comports with reality. And I like that phrase, comports. Comports. I love that word. I don't know yeah. why I like that yeah, word. I heard of it. I'm learning all kinds of things tonight. It's kind of like a carport, but not. My, my favorite law school phrase that I learned years ago was inextricably intertwined. Oh, yeah. Mm. Inextricably. Anytime you can use Inextricably that, intertwined. And so a statement that is inextricably intertwined with reality is, is truth. All right. Because it can't be twisted out from reality. It can be pulled apart from um, it. That's neat. I like that. that I, I try to use that whenever I can nowadays. Um, but that was, that was kind of the introduction because we, we talked about how important it is to, to search for truth because we know that in our, in our daily lives, truth is important. You want to know that you're getting the right level of medication. You want your, your spouse and your children and, and the other people in your lives to be truthful with you. You, you want to be truthful with them. And, and how important is it that with things that affect not just your life but your eternity, that you locate what is truth and, and is there an eternity and is there a God? And so that's where we began from. We, we moved on to the really, really, really big picture, and that's cosmology, the study of the universe. And, and we talked about in the beginning, people believed that the universe was eternal. And that was the way to replace God, was making the universe eternal. And, and everything kind of twisted around in, in around 1900 when Einstein delivered the general theory of relativity and, and we, people started realizing that the universe had a beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and if you take that to its ends, that beginning was nothing. And so questions started popping up. And, and this is something I talked about Wednesday night. It's, it's amazing. Every time people come up with an argument against God, science, biology, cosmology, archaeology, they all end up finding things that keep proving him. And we're going to keep going with that, and we're going to we're going to keep looking into that as we go because some of the archaeology stuff that's coming in the next topic is is some really neat and fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about cosmology and and the fine tuning in the beginning and how specific everything had to be. Then we moved on a little bit inward, and we talked about life had a beginning too. Mm-hmm. And that there is no explanation for that life outside of it having been designed because it, just like the universe, is very specific and very well put together. And, and there is just no explanation for any other way for life to exist and to have come about other than a designer. Mm-hmm. And, and so we went through those three topics, and I want you to kind of think of this forensically kind of like the FBI in building a profile 
because you can, and, and I think most of us would all agree, that you can watch someone's actions or you can see the results of someone's actions and you can start to see something about what that person, that entity is like. Mm-hmm. You, you can look into their personality or get to know them somewhat from, from what they've done. And, and when you see the truth and when you see this perfectly fine-tuned universe and you see life and how it's come about and where it's come from, you start to see certain characteristics of, of what we have to believe was a creator. Now, we're not to the biblical God yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't used the Bible. We haven't talked about the Bible. We've talked about science. We've talked about philosophy, and we've talked about logic. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, but if that creator exists with with these characteristics, we we see that he exists outside of space and time because all of space and time had a beginning. He is he is, and you can't create yourself, and you can't create yourself. Yeah, he is he is immaterial because all of matter, energy, and all of that was created at the time of the universe. There was nothing. There was a literal nothing. You know, the things that rocks dream of <laughs> was what existed. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see that he had to be intelligent. He had to be a super intelligence in order to fine-tune and in order to put the information together that created all these things. He had to be extraordinarily powerful. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, whether whether you're I talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, whether you're an old earther or a new earther, and and whether you like the phrase or not, the Big Bang, at one point in time, God said bang, mm-hmm. yeah. and and everything began to exist, and so there was that absolute beginning, and he had to be personal because he had to make a decision, he had to decide to create. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, there would be nothing. There had to have been a decision to create. So we see these characteristics building as we go. And tonight we're going to talk about basically, does the existence of pain, suffering, and evil speak against or argue against the existence of God? Check, please. (laughs) (laughs) This is where it gets hard, guys. Yeah, and it's going to be, a, I think, a topic yeah. that's, it may be hard, but it's on a lot of people's minds, you know, and it's something that they probably ask themselves daily. I mean, I hear it all the time, you know. I've even heard people say, I'm not, I don't want to bring kids into this world because it's so, it's such a terrible place. There's so much evil. There's so much hatred. There's all these things that come along with it. And naturally, I think if you do believe that there's a God or even questioning that there's a God, why are you being so mean? Like, why is, why is all this allowed? Why is all this a part of it if you're this good, great God, you know? And so I think it's a great topic to talk about, and it's going to be a hard topic to talk about. And Bobby and Jonathan did a lot of good preparing. <laughs> but I am your voice tonight, audience. I am with you. I am new to this discussion and looking forward to what they bring us. And I'm going to try to be a voice for y'all a little bit as we uh, dive into this. So I'm ready. I'm excited. You know, I saw kind of what you did there. There's a couple of things about God, like all-powerful, all-knowing. You only got kind of like one more or so, and... You kind of sum up sort of what we believe who God is, you know, and and that's what kind of we've omnipresent, and that's what we've got to decide mm-hmm. tonight: is is God all present and all good? Mm-hmm. 
and and we've got to this is what makes this topic so scary guys you you bring up this topic and you talk about it and it's it's really really easy to revert to speaking in cute little phrases and and to be very um callous to things that people have gone through yeah and and there's there's some people out there that that have what we especially in western civilization think of as a wonderful life mm-hmm. they they've got food on the table they've got a house they've got vehicles they've got children they've got all those good things that we think of make life what it should be and and then there's that person sitting out there that's like why me yeah and and I want us to make sure that in discussing this topic, that we we're sensitive to the people that have experienced things that that truly aren't fair, mm-hmm. aren't right, aren't good, mm-hmm. and and we we claim Christianity, and and if we're going to claim Christianity. We we've got to speak to those people and and reach out to those people in love and and I hope that through discussing this topic we can do so we can we can hurt feelings we can bring up hurts in people that that exist that we we have to be careful with and um, yeah I, I mean I think we all because we've all been hurt yeah. I mean, you know, either by other people or by maybe sickness, disease, you know, natural things. Um, we've all had things that have kind of blown up in our face. Even those things that we felt like kind of God was in the middle of it. And, you know, in, in some ways we're like, we, man alive, I'm doing what you want me to do. And now you blindside me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've we've all had hurts, but we've not all had... Um, earth-shattering hurts, you know, but many, 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 many people have. You know, a lot of my career was spent representing abused children. Mm -hmm. I I spent 17 years pretty much every week appearing in DHS court. Um, That's that's our social services court and and representing abused kids. And and so I've I've met a lot of kids and, and have kept in touch with a few that were, were sexually abused, physically abused, um, all sorts of different things. People close to me have experienced those kinds of things. And, and to me, those are horrific situations. And, and I hope that no one that listens to this will in any way think that we're taking any of that lightly. Right. And, and I wanted to say that at the very beginning because, to me, that's the most important way that we have to think of this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in in the same way that, you know, if you're in college, um, in med school, and you're going through medical school, you're going to learn about a lot of diseases, and you're going to learn about a lot of a lot of things that are terrible, you know, and so there's a difference in walking through learning about cancer, and and you know, looking at cancer, looking at how this plays out if you're doing that in school which is kind of where we're at a little bit here is we're, we're trying to look at this from a scholastic and logical type view um it's way different than when you get out of medical school 
and you're having to talk to somebody and tell them they've got six months to live because they have cancer. Yeah. You know, but the, cause so there's two sides to it. And, and while in this conversation, we're going to be more, I think the, the medical school kind of, you know, talking back and forth, we also have to, you know, we want you guys to know we're not ignoring the fact that, that there's some bad things and we're not making light of truly evil things that happen in this world. Um, but we are trying to talk about it tonight in a kind of in a medical school type situation where we're, we're not, um, kind of trying to grade evil and all those kind of, it's like, we're just kind of trying to discuss it as a, you know, kind of as a thing. As a concept. Yeah, as a concept. And and so basically what it boils down to, guys, is is a question that on on surface it sounds like a fairly simplistic question, but it's it's kinda like the onion that has a lot of layers. And and so the question is if God is all loving and all powerful, how can he allow all the evil and pain that exists in the world? Either he is not all-loving and does not care that the evil exists, or he is not all-powerful and can't do anything about it. Mm. And, and that, is, that is basically represented as simply as I can state it, the atheistic view with regard to God. And I think Jonathan um, has, a, has a great quote from Dawkins that we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Richard Dawkins, who's, who's a renowned atheist, um, that, that speaks some to that and, and what we're going to get into, the inconsistency of that thought process. Yeah. But first, let's talk about law. Y'all want to talk about some law? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the law and order thing just went through my head. My camera goes <laughs> enough to do it into the microphone. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I can't do it either, obviously, <laughs> as much as I watch that show. Um, sure, I mean, we're, we're going to be on the short end of the stick here. But yeah, go ahead, Mr. Lawyer. Actually, about law. we're, you're not going to be on the short end of this stick. Is there a moral law? Is there a moral law? I'm going to go with yes, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but why? How can you say that? Destin? Um, skip. <laughs> Where's my skip card? Okay. I mean, I think we would say it's easy to say there is a moral law because whatever I say is going to be wrong, I feel like. But, you know, <laughs> we all have a level. No, we don't all. See, I'm struggling here. <laughs> Sometimes you know when you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. Like, you know it. That's like, a great way to I say it, actually. <laughs> when yeah. you do something wrong, you know it. And it's yes, just, I, I think we all have a moral law. Yeah. And and like um, I've I've listened to quite a bit of C.S. Lewis. Good. <laughs> and, um, and it's funny he he says something about uh, show me somebody who um, doesn't believe that there's a moral law, and I'll do something bad to them or lie to them or something, and all of a sudden they'll absolutely believe that there is a moral law. You know, yeah. because it's it's we know we know the moral law based more on based less on what we want to do and more on what we don't want other people to do to us. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's kind of universal that 
we're going to be offended by things. And those are kind of the things that's like, well, yeah, that's not right. Well, who says it's not right? You have listened to C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I, I love C.S. Lewis because he, to me, of all the people I've listened to, he explains this better than anyone. The moral law is not what we want to do. It's not what we want to do to make us happy. It's not what makes us happy. It's what we ought to do. And if I could say it in that sweet British accent that that is reading mere Christianity to me in my car every day, I would I would do it because I could listen to that voice all day. But the moral law is what we ought to do. And and Turk and Geisler in in one of their books wrote the the perfect in my mind the perfect example was the the philosophy professor that that asked his students to write a paper, and and this philosophy student wrote a paper on the fact that there is no objective morality, there's no objective right or wrong, that it's, that it's all custom, that it's all culture, and that's where everything comes from. And so he turns his paper in, and the professor saw that it was in a blue binder and immediately put an F on it. And he handed it back to the student, and the student said, what's the deal? You didn't even read it. That's not fair. And he said, I don't like blue binders. I think everything that turns in gets turned in in a blue binder is an F. Hmm. And the student said, you can't do that to me. And the professor said, wait, didn't you just argue that there is no objective moral law, that it's all set by culture, it's all set by opinion, hmm. and, and you're telling me it's unfair? And, and there is the number one inconsistency. If, if there is no absolute right and wrong, then everything in life is simply opinion. Mm -hmm. It is simply your idea of what is right and wrong. And so who gets to be the one to choose? Is it the majority? Is it, is it the people who, who speak the loudest? If, if you want to go by the majority, well, there was a time in the 1930s and 1940s so that, that a group in Germany believed that, that killing people was right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would argue that Adolf Hitler believed what he do, did was the right thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. And yet all of us, I bring that situation up because it's the most egregious that comes to mind immediately, all of us would say what he was doing was wrong. Have you, have you ever had an argument over whether something was right or wrong with someone? Sure. Yeah. Sure. What, what? My kids all the time. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes with myself. <laughs> the, <Yeah>. fact, <laughs> the fact that you would even have a disagreement with someone over whether something is right or wrong says that there has to be a basis for someone being right about that. Mm -hmm. There has to be a bottom. There has to be a baseline. And yeah, so, nowhere is anybody ever... Because what, what we end up doing with this kind of thing is... It, it, I mean, it's relativism. Yes. You know, um, and we, we try to bring it around either to the worst possible things or the, the least worst possible things, I guess. Um, but I think a simple one that we can ask is, is, is there anywhere on planet Earth where if someone is known as a liar, 
that they are celebrated for that. You know? I mean, it's like, or, or a cheater. Something like that. It's, it's one of those, now obviously if somebody's playing a game and we get, if we can make an excuse as to why they're cheating, you know, then it's like, oh, okay, maybe that's not so bad. But we all know there's cheating. Like, I mean, you're, you're a cheater, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think there is this, um, this absolute, because otherwise then just like in our, I think in the first one, we, the, the first episode that we did, number 51, where we talked about objective and subjective truth, then we've got to label it as one or the other. And and if it's subjective, we said then that if it's subjective, then it's just up to the subject. So then literally all of morality is simply up to me. Like everything. That is correct. And it's it's whatever I want. Um it, it's if I if I think that murder is okay, you can't do anything about it. Like, not only can you not prove me wrong, but you can't even hold me accountable for it because it's not wrong to me. And let's take it outside even of the individual, and the same argument stands. If the culture believes something is right, we can still see the flaws of various cultures, such as... In, in the 1700s in the United States, it was culturally acceptable to own human beings. Mm-hmm. Slavery, chattel slavery was in existence, and that was accepted in this culture. It would, in my opinion, forgive me for the word, it takes an idiot to argue that that's an acceptable practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To look down on a human being and treat them as property. Well, and you can't convince me on I, you can't convince me that they didn't know that it was wrong. I think the the fact that it was legal helped them do the mental gymnastics that it takes to get there. But I think deep dark, you know, two o'clock in the morning, laying in the bed. I just think they they knew something was wrong with that. I think there were a lot of people that knew things were wrong with a lot of things that cultures have done in the past. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's the inward moral law that we've talked about, those responses that we have to things. Because, again, and and we're going to keep pointing this out, the moral law is not necessarily what Bobby says it is. The moral law that's written inside me is seen by how I take people's, how I respond to people. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I recognize, I don't, I don't want somebody lying to me. Right. I may think it's okay to lie to Dustin given the circumstances to keep myself out of trouble, but I sure as heck don't want him lying to me. I may think it's okay to, to steal a dollar from somebody when I need a dollar, but that's just a dollar. Mm-hmm. But I know it's wrong, and I'll try to hide it no matter what. That's my reaction. Yeah. And, and kids know that from a very young age. You, you can't tell me that when your children were very, very young and they did something wrong, whether you had really described it being wrong or not to them, they didn't try to hide it and make themselves look better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you justify, and it's, and it's funny, uh, C.S. Lewis mentions this too, that the only acts that we 
do that we come up with excuses or justifications for are those that are that we know is wrong. That's correct. That we we're not making excuses for how something that good that we do. At that point, it's like, no, I'm, I'm just good. I mean, it's, that's all me, man. That's, you know, that's that's me. That's not. But if it's something wrong, then we're, you know, we're coming up with excuses or justifications, all those kind of things. And that, yeah, like you said, that, I mean, that's just, that's just universal. Yes. You can see that um, once kids kind of know, start knowing, you know, right from wrong, again, um, well, we won't bring the Bible into it, but there's a good illustration in the Bible even about, um, you know, knowing right and wrong and something that you're aware of once you do that, that, that small children are the same way. Yeah. They, they start, you can notice when a child starts losing that innocence and gaining. And it's funny, I had not even thought about this until right now, that what was the the fruit that Adam and Eve, I, I know I'm bringing the Bible into it. What did it give them? It gave them the knowledge between good and evil. It, it gave them this moral law. The, the first episode, and, and you mentioned something when we were talking the other day that, that I thought was just really profound. The, the first thing Adam and Eve recognized was that they were naked. And I love, in, in the book Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis brings up that some things are cultural, whether they are right or wrong, because they can evoke things in others, such as if, if someone goes out and, and walks naked in public in Benton, Arkansas, then that's going to bring a lot of attention and a lot of craziness and, and a lot of vile thoughts and things like that. But in, in the hinterlands of, of South America or Africa or somewhere, the, the clothing that they wear is very, very sparse, very little. And, and you know, you see pictures of, of small kids running around with nothing whatsoever on. You see women that don't have anything covering their top and things like that. But that doesn't bring that about. So certain things are cultural, but the the thought process, the inward reaction that is evoked, whether it's good or evil, is natural. Mm-hmm. And and I guess to describe that a little bit, bit better, maybe, God has built certain types of instinctual feelings and, and pleasures within us, and depending upon the circumstances, how we treat them and how we act with them, they can be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, food is good for nourishment. Overeating can kill you. Mm-hmm. It's unhealthy. We should eat. What is it? Eat to live, not live to eat. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you, you can say that about almost all of our cultural interests and, and our instinctual things that we, we need, desire, and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis in, in Mere Christianity goes on and on and on talking for several chapters about about the instinct for sex. Mm-hmm. And and he says that in itself put in the right relationship is not a bad thing. It's God created. And and he describes it it's it's very similar. The instinct for it is very similar to our instinct for food. But 
you see people go into a, a building and pay money to watch a female undress. But how crazy would you think those people were if they went into a building and paid money to watch somebody slowly uncover a plate of food? Well, I have to go back to a point a little bit because I think about this morality, and, and you mentioned Hitler, um, and you know, we talked about justifying, or um, maybe we step away from what we know is morally right or wrong um, when we feel it's necessary. Like sometimes I justify my actions because I think either I owe somebody some revenge, or I think I'm owed something because. Somebody else has it, so I'm going to take it too because I think I should just have it. Or I think it's necessary to do this because even though it goes against morally what the world has said is okay, I, I, I say it's necessary because the world doesn't know any, doesn't, it needs to know this. And it made me think about like movies that you always have the good guy and you have the bad guy. Most of the time, if a movie is any good and that good versus evil, the bad guy feels justified for what they're doing. They may not necessarily think it's a good thing that they're doing, but they feel like there's enough reason and they're justified enough to do it. I use Avengers as an example. Spoiler alert, Thanos wants to wipe away half the galaxy because it's killing itself. He thinks he needs to cut it in half and it'll be better. Some could argue he could just double the amount of food with his magical powers. But instead, he decides he needs to kill or just make half the world disappear. Totally a wrong thing to do, but he can almost convince you it's the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I get into this idea of morals and that they're there and that there is a, a law of morality that we know, even in the like the most evil people, which Hitler would be in that category for me, is one of the most evil people to ever walk the earth. But did he did he know what he was doing was wrong morally, but yet justified it because he was convinced the earth needed to be a certain way? I don't know. Or was he just just had no morality? And I just it's just something interesting to me. Well, I think <clears throat> I think we notice people when they let's take a drug addict. Um I don't think anybody has ever woken up one day and just decided I'm going to become a drug addict and just all of a sudden become like they're just using like crazy and, you know, kind of the end point of what we kind of see that road leads to. It's doing something once and then doing it a little bit later and then doing it again. And it, it builds calluses toward the behavior. Um, I don't think Hitler started off killing six million Jews first day. Right. You know, he he worked himself there over a course of of years and years, and I, I I think I think we can become so calloused, and our consciences can just be seared to the point that we we get to the point where we can ignore the law that's within us. And let me throw out another C.S. Lewis thought, because I think this is is very important to this discussion. Hitler killed six million Jews, not only because he was evil, but because he was in a position to do so. Mm-hmm. Not every person of equal evil 
comes into a position to kill six million human beings. Your inner thoughts and where you let your mind rest is very much as important as what you do as a result of where your mind rests. Mm -hmm. And allowing yourself to gravitate toward and stew upon evil thoughts, negative things, things that inwardly you have to hide from the people you care the most about is clearly against any moral baseline. And so we tend to look at outward actions because that's what we see. The moral law tends to affect us inwardly. Mm-hmm. You see, God God created this really cool universe. And, and there are all sorts of things in this universe that simply react and don't have the ability to overcome the various laws of the universe. If, if I hold a rock in my hand, and I know we're not visual here, so but I am holding my hand out in a fist. Confirmed. He is and, holding a pretend rock. And open my hand and drop the rock. The rock is going to respond to the law of gravi- gravity and fall. Mm-hmm. God created a race of humans who could create ways to overcome pretty much every law of the universe. We fly planes which negate the law of gravity. Mm-hmm. We, we move at speeds through the use of motors and various things that the human body could not do. Animals, trees, rocks don't create these things. We respond in the same way to the moral law. We know it. We show that we know it by our responses, but our thought processes are capable of overcoming it and acting the opposite of it or against it. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you talk about the moral law, if there is a moral law, and, and I think if you really think about it, if you really dig deep into it, then there has to be a moral lawgiver. That law had to have come from someone, something. Okay, let me, I'll go ahead and play devil's advocate. Okay. Um, the, <clears throat> the response, I think, to that from someone who does not believe uh, is that that moral law has simply been um, through evolution and through um you know, people just looking and noticing and, and working together with one another uh, that, you know, over the millennia, they have just realized that being good to one another is better for the survival of the species. And therefore, people that were good for good toward one another were the ones that survived and those people that accepted that and all those kind of things. So that morality and being good and and treating others well, all those kind of things, working together, 
was better, and so that is the trait that has dominated. I love when people try that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> go ahead. So seems in, to go against every other part of evolution, but we'll go ahead and talk steal about my it. thunder, will you? <laughs> Gee, no, how do you put going? up with him? Sorry, I didn't know that's where you were going. Oh, you did too. <laughs> <laughs> There's really not anything better. Yeah. Uh, under under the theory of evolution, what survives? The fittest. The fittest. And so, if the fittest survives with evolution, then why in the world do we not celebrate? Me stepping on all the little people I can to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would we celebrate acts of courage that put me at risk, wherein I save someone who is helpless? I have no reason to save someone who is helpless. I'm fitter than they. Yep. I'm, I'm wise enough not to have, facetiously please, I'm wise enough not to have put myself in that situation. Or... In, in the eyes of Dawkins, I'm just lucky enough not to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it goes, that argument goes against everything that evolution tries to say happened in bringing about the species. We should celebrate liars. We should celebrate people that, that get a boost up from taking advantage of others. Because they've learned how to do it the best. Yeah. It, it does seem... I mean, it just does. It goes against if we were if we truly believe that everything about us that we are just simply a product of chance and a product of complete evolution, survival of the fittest, then it makes no sense. Morality makes no sense. No, it doesn't. I mean, it just doesn't. If if I see someone in a car wreck, especially someone that's helpless and hurt and there's no one else around and I see gas dripping from the gas tank and I'm thinking that car's going to blow up. There, there are two things within me that are fighting. One is fear. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to death to go near that car and, and put my life at risk. But something inside me is telling me if there's a way I can help that person. Mm-hmm. None of that fits with evolution. Survival of the fittest says throw a match on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it go back. And even if you do, you, you bring up, you know, kind of, because uh, another argument is kind of the herd, you know, because this kind of is the argument of herd morality. Um, we all want herd immunity, but right. not herd morality, uh, which is saying that herd morality would say that we care about that person in the car. Okay. And that it's nothing more than an instinct that has grown in us over the millennium, billions of years and stuff, that looking out for the herd is a good thing. Okay, so let's say that that's true. Let's say that there's an instinct there to help others. But there's also the instinct of self-preservation. So you've got, now you've got two different instincts combating one another, basically, you know? Which one ought you to do? There, there comes that ought again. Yeah, you know, and that's where the moral law comes in. Yeah, is because nothing within us, from a from just a instinctive kind of way, nothing within us would say to that we 
ought to go help that person if at all possible. That doesn't, that doesn't bode well with those. Cause one of the, if you've got two equal instincts, who decides who wins, you know, wh- which one decides who wins. And I think that's where the, again, the moral law comes in that says you should help not for herd's sake, not for, you know. And unless you are a sick, evil individual, unless you at least make some effort to try to help that person, you will be thinking about that for a long, long time. Yeah. And if you did make that choice of simply self-preservation, and it's like, you know, when you could have helped, but you just, mm, I'm going back. Now what are you to everybody else? You're a coward. Yeah. Again, something bad, you know? Just over and over, we just we we know <laughs> we we know what you know what the things that we ought to do. Um, but here's a uh, here's a quote. I'm going to go ahead and go with the here's a, the first Richard Dawkins quote. Okay, because uh, it goes to kind of this um, looking at evolution and and if evolution completely is true from a um, and again this is kind of an origin of the species evolution. Um, this is what Richard Dawkins says. It says, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any keyword here, justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. So basically he is arguing that if if we are all products of chance, which he completely believes, then there is no evil. There is no good. There is no justice. It's simply chance. And therefore one would take from that that the fit and the lucky that survive that don't fall into those areas that don't that aren't foolish enough to risk themselves for others should be celebrated because they play the game the best. Yeah. I thought of this today. I thought, you know, if you look at the the TV show Survivor, you know? I try not to. Yeah, we watched the first few seasons many, many years ago. But if you think about that show, the usually the one who wins is physically fit, is the fittest, and also lies like crazy, <laughs> is manipulative, is a cheater, is a... Have you ever, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody truly win that played it played the game like completely honest, completely, you know, all these kind of things. Wow. And it's like if you I mean, what's the point of that survivor? It's the survival of the fittest. Yeah. And it goes against now I got nothing. What I love even in that game when somebody got caught in a lie. I can't believe you lied to me. Are you serious? I'm going to win a million bucks. I'm going to lie like a two-faced devil that I am. 
if it because it's a game. Yeah. And even in the game, people are like, I can't believe that guy. He's terrible. He's lying to everybody. Well, of course he is. And that's exactly what we should expect if if we, if this is survival of the fittest only, then we should all simply be after just what's best for us. That's correct. Not best for society. And and even if we're looking for what's best for society, what's best for society in that arena mm-hmm. would be for the fittest and the best players of the game to flourish. Yeah, to rise to the top. And and to let the others fall behind and fall away. Kind of like the Aryan race and Hitler. Yeah. I mean, it's it's exactly the same thought process. It it is the the evil selfishness. I I want all the toys and all the pleasures and everything I can get in this life because this is all there is. Yeah, y'all keep talking about this, and it's fascinating <laughs> because I can't help but think about like sports today. I mean, because I would I would guess that maybe sports is the best. Um, maybe not the best, but well, you just see domination by those that are the fittest or the best at what they do. And you go from uh, people in high school where you can have thousands, maybe millions of people who play baseball. Then you go to college and that number greatly reduces because it's only the best of the best from high school. And then you go to the major leagues and it's only the best of the best from college or straight from high school or wherever from around the world. And it just keeps knocking people out like, and they're done. I mean, once you're done, you're done. You're you're not gonna go play baseball anymore professionally. You know, any any sport like that, and I just think that's a good example. And and what will people be willing to do to make sure they're seen as the best in sports? I mean, we talk about running up scores. We talk about hurting people at times. We've we've seen like the nasty of nasty. I mean, like some players um, have been celebrated for being dirty players, you know, and, 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 and doing those things to get an advantage. I mean, encouraged to do that. And so I've been listening to this, you know, cause I didn't read the notes and stuff. I wanted to be the, the reactor guy. He wanted to be that guy, <laughs> <laughs> but I keep, I keep feeling like I want to jump ahead and, and y'all don't let me because I keep thinking we talk about morality and all these things. And I was a kid who in high school, a fight would break out. Some people would form a circle and root it on. I didn't want to watch it. Like it was just, it was just terrible to me. Like I had no, no desire to be in a fight or to root on a fight. Uh, And I'm not even like a guy who likes to watch boxing or MMA. I'm not saying you shouldn't. It's not a fun sport, whatever. But I just never been that guy. Like I just don't like it. I should probably not even be allowed to sit in the same room as you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's like, trust me, like the, 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 the mashed potatoes at the at the buffet bar is my, my weakness here. But whatever it is, it's, it's just I can't help but think we talk about morality and there's people that have different levels of morality or what even they think is moral in certain categories because I think most people would agree that murder is wrong, but there's some people out there who definitely justify murder and probably don't think it's a big deal. So I'm kind of I'm kind of like anxiously here. Like, when does this evil thing get involved of its control? Don't let me jump ahead. Don't let me pull anybody ahead. It's coming. Because to me, I think that's probably what a lot of people are thinking right now. It's like, wait a minute. I'm talking about morality, but there's people that do celebrate some of those things that we're saying right now. Morality yeah. is wrong. 
but we're not we're not saying that this doesn't happen. We're saying that we know that it ought not. Right. We know what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Um, now it it from the from the perspective of do some people think some things are right, some things are wrong, other people yes. You know, yes. Um, some people don't think there's anything wrong with it going out on a Saturday night and getting drunk. Whatever. Some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not we um, believe that what we're doing is wrong, I don't think necessarily means that, that there's not that moral law out there. And that it's, I think the biggest argument that we're trying to make is that it's not subjective, that it is objective. Um, and let me read a, this is a quote from a guy that I think he was trying to, he was trying to say one thing and he ended up act, make, saying something completely different. His name's Michael Roos. Um, he says, morality is just a matter of emotions, like liking ice cream and sex and hating toothache and mar- toothaches and marking student papers. But it is and has to be a funny kind of emotion. It has to pretend that it is not that at all. If we thought that morality was no more than liking or not liking spinach, then pretty quickly it would break down. Before long, we would find ourselves saying something like, well, morality is a jolly good thing from a personal point of view. When I am hungry or sick, I can rely on my fellow humans to help me. But really, it is all uh, malarkey. So when they need help, I can and should avoid putting myself out. There is nothing there for me. The trouble is that everyone would start saying this, and so very quickly there would be no morality, and society would collapse, and each and every one of us would suffer. So basically he's saying if morality is truly subjective, then society would just fall apart. Uh, So morality has to come across as something that is more than emotion. It has to appear to be objective, even though, in his opinion, it's really subjective. Why should I be good? Why should you be good? Because, Because that is what morality demands of us. It is bigger. This is the funniest part. Um, it is bigger than the both of us, almost like he's saying it's outside of us. It is laid on us, and we must accept it, just like, just like we must accept that two plus two equals four, and that is objective reality that comports with truth. I am not saying that we are all that we always are moral but that we always know that we should be moral. And, and that's coming from, um, from an atheist who, who believes that this is all just chance. And, and let me throw something in here, because I, I, want, I think this is an important point to make. We are in no way saying that atheists cannot be moral beings. No, absolutely. Sure, yeah. We're saying the exact opposite. Yeah. We are saying that humans have a moral law within them. And and we just believe that comes from a moral lawgiver that happens to be God. Um, 
and and that it is it is our first inclination toward him yeah as as humans and and so what we're what we're not saying is that you have to believe in god to be a moral being and and i would say that even the people that commit immoral acts when you when you look deeper into them primarily almost without fail they will attempt to hide those moral acts immoral acts mm-hmm. they will allow moral acts to be seen but immoral acts as as part of human nature will attempt to be hidden from people and and that again is more of that reaction to how people are going to act towards me yeah I'm glad you made that point, um, because we definitely don't. A, a good friend of mine who who happens to be an atheist, um, he said at one point he said he said you know Christians don't have the like a monopoly on morality. No, and absolutely, this dude would give you the shirt off his back. One of the one of the friendliest, you know, generous guys I know. Um, so no, what we're basically trying to, to lay out is that, that morality, that it is a, that is an objective law that has been placed like, uh, Michael Ruse there said, it has been placed upon us, Yeah, which means that it's outside of us, which means we couldn't have created it. And I think that's where the discussion has to begin. And and from that point, Dustin, we go into, yeah, but if there's this great God out there, why are there so many evil and bad and catastrophic things that happen in this world? Does he not care or is he just not as big as what you guys claim so that he can't do anything about it? Um, because we we see everywhere, and and apparently, as as we, if you watch the news, if you listen to radio or television or read on the internet, things are getting worse, guys. Yeah, things are getting worse. You, we we almost can't go twenty four hours in the United States now without a mass shooting. It's everywhere. You're not. I was talking to someone today. You're not safe at school. You're not safe in government buildings. You're not safe at Walmart. You're not safe at shopping centers, gas stations. I, I don't care where you live. Mm-hmm. It it's happening everywhere. There are horrific things that are happening. We've we've got people in power that that get arrested for abusing children. We've got people. We've got preachers. It hasn't been that long ago, right here in Saline County. I watched a preacher go to prison for molesting his adopted daughter. Mm-hmm. That's that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. How how can someone who stands in front of a church and proclaims God's word do such an evil thing? Why why does it exist? How can it occur? How can a good God let that thing happen? So I'll let y'all answer that. <laughs> I'll sit back. Jonathan. <laughs> Wait, I was there first. Wait, I thought that's why we were paying him to come in. <laughs> oh wow! You've double tried to double my check, paycheck, and I'll. <laughs> it's not hard to double that paycheck. I'm there right 
Hey guys, that sound was the sound of us not landing the plane this episode, okay? So, we knew coming into this, this topic was going to be pretty serious and, and pretty in-depth. And what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to just, like, cut it short. So, what we've decided to do, because we're... We, this went longer than we even thought it would. Uh, we decided to break this down into two episodes. So, episode 54, part one. Episode 55, coming out in one week from the release date of this one. We'll pick up right where we left off and continue this conversation to finish it out. But in the meantime, hey, we still want to hear from you. But I do think this is the first episode, Jonathan. We've n- didn't land the plane. I believe it is. Yeah. Oh, man. We need to like serve extra peanuts or <laughs> drinks or I don't know, something. I don't know. Yeah. We're breaking through. But we still want to hear from y'all. And, and we know this is already, this first half is probably already... Started a lot of conversation, a lot of talk, a lot of thoughts. And, uh, you know, we love to interact with you through our social medias. Uh, Land the Plane today on Facebook and Instagram. Land the Plane 247 at Twitter. And, of course, you can always send us an email at landtheplanetoday at gmail.com. And let us know how this is this is working on you, what thoughts you're processing, where you're going to. And uh, you can even reach out to Bobby at, uh, what is that, Old? Old Bear 45. Old Bear 45 on Twitter. So you can definitely uh, give him a shout out. Yeah. Thank you for all the work he's been doing to put into this and the passion he has for it. But we're not going to keep you much longer. Just be ready. One week. There we go. Part two's coming. We've already recorded it. Yeah. It's done. It's in the books. Yes. And that one, we do land the plane at the end. We do. We, we do. We'll be back. We'll on be the back. run field. All right. Until then, y'all. Thanks for listening, guys.